0: In this episode of the podcast, I have brought my friend Mike Kelly back into the studio for episode two. Now, if you don't know Mike and you haven't checked out that first episode, be sure to do so. Mike Kelly is a world-renowned architectural photographer, absolutely incredible at what he does, and he's created a life by design that fits everything that Mike values. It's absolutely awesome. I invited him in the studio and I said, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about steps and what it is to actually create this life by design, to live with intention and to design your career around that instead of kind of letting it pull you in different directions. So let's go ahead and dive in. This episode of Think Stupid Simple is brought to you by our partners at Adorama.com. Adorama is an online retailer, but they are also much, much more. So look, what I'm talking about is if you're a musician, you can grab your instruments, get your audio, your production gear, everything you need for your home studio. If you're a photographer, cinematographer, live streamer, of course, they've got you on everything. Cameras, lenses, lighting, and accessories, all of it. But on top of being a retailer, they're also a platform for learning. And yes, you can ask their salespeople whatever questions you like. They're very knowledgeable. But what I'm actually talking about is Adorama TV. Adorama TV is a completely free YouTube channel with over a million subscribers where you can learn the ins and outs of virtually every creative field. You'll even find me on there on Fridays each week teaching photography. So grab your gear, get your learn on, and go build your own amazing, awesome sauce of whatever that might be. This is the TSS Podcast. It's a place for authentic conversations to uncover the stupid simple truths that help us succeed in business, create better relationships, and lead more fulfilling lives. Welcome to Think Stupid Simple. Dude, I'm going to need a new candle soon. My candles are going to
1: I can recommend some brands if you'd like. I'm a bit of a candle enthusiast.
0: <gasps> Fellow candle enthusiast? Well, now we have lit the candle we are here with hair with Mike Kelly, episode Deuce.
1: Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Now that I'm <laughs> back in California.
0: <laughs> the funny thing we just talked a moment ago. I could have sworn that you didn't live in California anymore, which is kind of sad. Because if you do still live here, that just means that we're not.
1: Well, you out saw me much. when F stoppers were in town. We all yes. came down. Yes. Do you think you, I lived in Puerto Rico?
0: No, I could have sworn you were in Charleston.
1: I'm in Los Angeles, Burbank, to be specific.
0: That might as well be another country compared to Orange County. It's basically Phoenix to you. You know what I mean? It
1: took me two hours to get here. It's only 40 miles away. Are you kidding me? It took two hours. That's serious.
0: Well, thank you. Now (laughs) you you deserve an extra thank you for being here. (laughs) You might as well have gone to Vegas, dude. That would have been about the same drive. We could have had fun there. (laughs) So... You actually just finished out a really cool personal shoot that I want you to talk about. Um, But I thought it'd be fun to bring you back in and for episode two, kind of talk about designing this life of intention, you know, kind of intentionally creating the life, the business, the career that you want to have. And we got this idea when we were just chatting right now because you actually toured our building. What do you think?
1: It's it's amazing. (laughs) Um, And it's so cool. And it's inspiring to be here. And I look around and I'm like, what am I, I'm doing nothing right. (laughs) And then, you know, as the tour continued, I was like, it's, it's inspiring, but it's also to me, I don't want to, I don't want to say scary, but I, I, you know, I'm like, man, this is amazing. And there's certain parts of it that I love, but then I'm like, you have what, 40 people working for you at one point. I don't want that responsibility. Like if I want to sleep in until 11, or if I want to just. On a dime, go on vacation. I can do that. You know yeah. what I mean. I don't have to worry about anyone's payroll. I've got you know I've got a few people that I work with. They're independent contractors, assistants, and retouchers, and so on. Um, but I'm not their only client. They're not depending on me. Yeah. If I want to just take a three month sabbatical. I'm out. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, and so I'd like to take the best parts of what you're doing and sort of you know funnel that into my life as well. But my whole thing, since I've been doing this for eleven years now. It's always just been sort of designing my career around my wants and needs and interests and hobbies and everything like that. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, your response is not dissimilar from Lee and Patrick's who, yeah. uh, and I think when I showed it to, when Lee came, we gave him a little uh, tour and he's like, man, this is impressive. So but legit. I just uh-huh. feel anxious when I'm here. He's like, all I feel is stress. I'm just so stressed. And, and I get it. Um, and to be, to be completely honest, I wouldn't build this if I was doing my own thing. Like the only reason that this makes sense to me is because I have two business partners and we have corporate experience and we have that like, but to, to your point right now, I am going on vacation tomorrow morning. It's, it's vacation slash writing. Uh, and I spent the last two weeks kind of just catching up on every single thing that I needed to do so that when I leave, our team and everybody has things to do for the next five days so yeah i I, I don't get it just kind of
1: i was in i went to puerto rico in november mid-november to film with liam patrick i was supposed to be there for two weeks (laughs) covid here in los angeles just kept getting it was going like exponential that spike yeah and i was like you know i'm having jobs kind of cancel left and right because of covid and the city's going into further, further levels of lockdown. Every day there was some crazy announcement like, you know, yeah. stay at home unless you're essential, you know. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay. <laughs> I stayed in Puerto Rico for a month and a half. It's so much fun. And, but I was able, I didn't have anyone waiting for me to come back.
0: And me and Patrick did say that they were having a hard time getting you to work out there.
1: I, You know, <laughs> I honestly, they weren't lying. They were uh, We probably did two hours of work a day. <laughs> it wouldn't start until like 4 p.m. And then, you know, the sun would start to set. Oh, it's sunset. It's so beautiful. We've got to watch this. And then it would be back in there at 6. Oh, it's dinner time. <laughs> and then, you know, back in at 10 for another hour of work. Um, but, yeah, it was just a really low pressure, nice escape from California, which, as you know, can be a lot sometimes.
0: Yeah. Uh, California is a lot all the time. And then a whole bunch of people escaped to Texas, which, Which is, then becomes a lot. Uh, quite the handful, yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: T- Texas had
0: everything going good, and then the past couple of weeks have not been so great.
1: But, you know, I've lived all over the country in my 33 short years here, and there's a drawback to every single place. There is, everywhere. Sure. There is no perfect place to live.
0: You don't necessarily expect power and water to go out, but, yes, there True. is a drawback <laughs> to wherever <laughs> you're at. Well, so for some reason, I had in my head that you you live in Charleston, was that ever the case? Did you ever live there?
1: I had I so I, I went I was kind of bicoastal for a bit. Okay. For about a year and a half, two years from twenty, early twenty seventeen to early mid twenty nineteen. Yeah. I was kind of flying back and forth. Um, I wanted to be closer, you know, to Liam Patrick. I was a bit stressed out with Los Angeles. I just needed a bit of a break. So I was kept an apartment in L.A. I would go to Charleston. You know, it's like I have months where it's just dead slow here. Yeah um, January, December, November, like clients just disappear yeah. because they've, they've got families and they're not going to photograph things because everything's kind of dead looking and everyone just kind of like pieces out. So it's always really slow. Oh, interesting. Um, and so there's a few, you know, the schedule kind of ebbs and flows and you can take advantage of that. Uh, and so I was going back and forth, I kept an apartment out here. They ended up going to Puerto Rico. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go back to LA sort of full time. And uh, it was a good little break, you know, for a couple of years, but just for what I do, I got to be, I got to be here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, this is good to know now. I'll, I'll make, I'll start making the drives up. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. I do have four kids though, Mike, so don't make me do that too often. All right. I won't do that. (laughs) When you, when you start having kids, yeah, you'll feel my pain. When is that going to be, dude?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I'm 50, 50 on the kids thing. Like. I feel like I'd be the best father ever. You know what I mean? You
0: would be. You'd be a really great dad.
1: But I feel just because of this job that I have designed to let me have the flexibility to do whatever I want. Yeah. Oh, I want to stay home today. Oh, I'm going to work today. You know, whatever. Um, but I also feel like it's sort of a, uh, it, it could upend this whole thing that, I'm, that I've been working on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm 50-50. I, there's a, a few more things that I want to do in my life before I, I get to that point. I'd like to be a little more settled down housing wise and find out where I really want to live. Like I've never loved anything and hated anything as much as Los Angeles <laughs> in my entire life. I cannot imagine having to drive kids back and forth to school in, in LA. What are you going to do? Put me in an Uber when I have to work? It's crazy. Why
0: we're in Orange County. Like, yeah. <laughs> LA is not a place not to a like. a kid friendly area. No. no.
1: Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of questions that I'd like to have answered. Maybe someday, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not like, I'm just, if it happens with the right person, it'd be fantastic. If not, my life will not be defined by whether or not I have children, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, I I had my first two kids to uh, fix my marriage. That was a good reason. Mm -hmm. Worked out well. (laughs) (laughs) I like your plan, Mike. Thank you.
1: (laughs) But, you know, really quickly, like, I feel like I, my personality is kind of, is hesitant. Every single thing I do, I'm hesitant. And then I do it. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Why did I wait so long? doesn't matter what it is
0: yeah kids have this interesting thing where like i love my kids to death there's nothing you could potentially do or say or read to like actually prepare you for it it's one of those things in life where like you know there's other things that you can actually plan for and like understand this is no there there is you can read every single possible parenting book there is and still be like
1: i it's like that mike tyson quote everyone has a plan until they get punched (laughs) in the face each, child,
0: each <laughs> child is a punch in the face. <laughs> Anthony, you were going to say something. Um,
1: yes, just kind of going back to uh, just having the freedom to do whatever you please. Um, Making your own schedule. What's the longest you've ever just said, like, like screw this, like, I'm out, just doing, not doing this for a while? And then, like, what kind of rolled you back into doing it if you did take a significant length of a break? Um, well, I mean, I think that Puerto Rico trip was one of them.
0: Six weeks is a good amount of time, man.
1: It, well, it, it was even more than that because I came back to L.A., yeah. And then I still didn't work for another week or two weeks, you know? I just kind of wanted to be here and, like, be amongst my things. And I was like, all right, great. I still own a guitar. Let me go back to Puerto Rico. <laughs>
0: be amongst my things.
1: <laughs> uh, and it was fun for a week. And then I was like, oh, God, I'm here in L.A. Um, and, you know, but, like, honestly, I, the only time that I really feel like I have to be somewhere and do something is, A, when I'm flying somewhere, or B, when I have a shoot. Yeah. yeah. That's the only time I set an alarm. Interesting. Period. Really? Yeah. Otherwise, I'll, if I like, if creativity strikes at midnight, I'll I'm gonna ride that wave until four in the morning, and I'll wake up at noon the next day.
0: Just writing out an idea, like a, whether
1: it's an idea, whether you know, I'm doing an, an edit or whether I'm reading something really interesting, I just kind of let my life follow the creative river or whatever. I don't know what. It's kind of a cheesy analogy, but like if if something's happening, you know, like like I get ideas for shoots into my head, and then I'll just spend hours planning it producing it whatever and yeah. I'll oh, oh my god it's three in the morning time to go to bed and sometimes i wake up at six and i'm like i want to get a jump on things and i'll and i'll get right to it um but i i feel like the the, the greatest thing about my life is the lack of alarm
0: <laughs> well i mean i would okay so i want to start putting together a playbook on how to get so if if you're listening if you're watching this podcast let's Let's see if Mike and I can actually formulate a playbook on how you can design this life of intention. And meanwhile, actually, Anthony, do you mind throwing Mike's architectural work up on the, uh, up on the display? Because his work is incredible. This new uh, keyboard shortcut. Look at this keyboard shortcut now. This is in LA, yeah?
1: Yeah, that's uh, Beverly Hills. Oh my goodness. How much
0: is a place like that?
1: $34 million.
0: Okay, so I'll need to save for a couple more
1: weeks. If you look really hard at the couch downstairs, I think you can dig <laughs> some of that, that change up. Who
0: buys a $34 million, I mean, who are these people that own a $34 million home?
1: What's interesting is it's you have to have probably hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I think the, the the list of potential buyers for a house like that is, what, 500 people? Yeah. Globally? The,
0: uh, I can't imagine, I I can't even, I mean, maintaining a place like that would be. Oh, they all
1: have full-time staff and, and, you know, hidden rooms for the staff under the pool and everything like that.
0: Yeah. Most of us can't even afford how much it would cost to do like the landscape
1: a month. Oh, it's just, just if like, for example, even when the houses are empty and on the market, it's thousands of dollars a month to just keep them up up kept and (sighs) clean and ready to go at a moment's notice. Oh, that's incredible. Where is this one? That's in uh, Iceland about. Five hours north of Reykjavik.
0: It looks so, uh, like, such a sustainable design. Like, it's so built into the yeah. the surroundings.
1: Yeah. Monterey, Mexico. Supporters.
0: Okay, so you have what most people would call a complete dream job. I mean, you get to go around, be inspired by the places that you're going to, the architectural work that you're photographing. You've now made a name. I, you're not only one of the most... When when I think of architectural photography, and that's also because you're my friend, but genuinely, I literally can't think of any other name that, that, is, that comes close to kind of what you've done in this industry. A lot of it due to the education that you put out with F-stoppers. So your educational courses plus the imagery that you make, your book, all of that stuff. Then you go and you make a name in aviation. That was just a personal project, right? Yeah correct me if I'm wrong I'm gonna say step one of the design a life of intention playbook is living below your means
1: that 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 might be step two you think step I two think step one okay, let's, is I'm gonna write this down have something that ah. have something that it's so it's so easy to just get up on the pulpit here and be like you need to have a passion have your passion find something that you love um but whether or not it's it's a it's a um, a monetizable passion, you need to have something that you love an- enough to do to pursue, or you have to be motivated enough to pursue for hours endlessly and go and go and go and go. Because I didn't get to where I am by just sitting there and letting all the gigs come to me, and you know oh. He's funny, hire him. It was like, I, I was hustling like crazy for the first five years of my career. I remember sitting in dark, crappy LA apartments and having roommates and I'd be editing pictures like mad and I'd go shoot things endlessly for free and just try to build a portfolio. And none I, I made nothing for any of that. Yeah. You know, it, it was an investment that I made that I got lucky and it paid off. Uh, but if I didn't love it, th- I would have never found the drive. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's things that I'm doing right now that I I frankly don't love and it's kind of a slog. Yeah.
0: You know? But the, the term passion, I almost feel like...
1: It's so overused. It's and
0: overused. It's cliche. It might as well be another F word term could, at this point. It could point. just be
1: an interest, like aviation for me.
0: But you know? how do you... Like, I'm going to say this. So let's go to number one. That thing, that interest, you want to call it a passion, whatever you want to call it. It has to be aligned with what you value in terms of like the overall process. Like what you're describing is, okay, so because how does somebody actually go about picking the right thing? I, I like racing cars. Uh, I used to do it quite a bit and I used to teach it. But if you told me like sit down and actually do this as a job, I would hate my life. I don't want to sit in a car for eight hours a day like racing around a track and smelling gas fumes and all that kind of stuff well
1: you don't have to be in the car you can be you know car adjacent if you will
0: (laughs) but that's what i'm saying is how do you even so for somebody to align this thing with what they value what are the steps for
1: that uh i mean i i i feel like i keep a very open mind i am You know, sometimes it bites me in the ass, but I'm a huge yes man. Mm -hmm. If someone says, hey, can you do X? I'm one of those people who if you call and you're like, I need help moving, I'll give you a beer. And 12 hours later, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this shit for a beer. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's me. But sometimes it works out brilliantly. I'm not saying be a doormat. You know what I mean? Um, But I've said yes to some of the craziest stuff.
0: What are some examples of that?
1: Like the, the first house I ever photographed, you know? My first client ever, she heard that I was like a hobbyist photographer. Oh my God, you own a camera. Yeah. Can you take pictures of houses? I know I could, I could get out the Dead Sea Scrolls and it would be filled with names of people who would say, no, it's not really my thing. I just Mm want to do real estate. I'm not real estate. I want to do, you know, weddings. I want to do portraits or fashion or cars or whatever. I had never shot a house in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I didn't know a mortgage from a you know, a windfall. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't, I was 20 something. I had no idea. But I was like, yeah, I'll shoot a house. How hard can it be? She calls me up. She's like, can you come out in two weeks and shoot this house? I did not own a tripod, <laughs> any, any lights, anything. I just said yes. And I was like, all right, let's let's try it. Let's give it a shot. Um, and, you know, th- that's how a lot of my career has sort of gone is me just saying yes to things. Even with Lee and Patrick, they're like, hey, we want to try filming you. Can you reveal, before we even did a video, like a, you know a, a tutorial or anything they're like hey just we just want to check out your your method can we film yeah sure come on i got a gig in phoenix film me there you're going to vegas yeah. i'll meet you in phoenix yeah they came out and filmed it we hit it off we had a great time a year later let's film a whole tutorial yeah that, that was it I, I, I didn't overthink it i was like yeah sure why not i got nothing going on that weekend come on out
0: and that that takes me back to that's why i feel like number one has to be living below your means like you have to have the financial freedom to actually say yes to something but whether it's number one number two either way you need those first two steps so before we talk about kind of the financial side of this there has to be parts of you that are really drawn to like like you are a very technical person if if it wasn't photography for you i would have imagined you as as an engineer or as an architect or as somebody my
1: dream career would be air traffic controller Okay. Like, <laughs> I would love, I would love that so much. That seems like it's a like a high job, stakes dude. video game. Look at you, seems- like a terrible job. I'm like, I can sit in a dark room. I work for two hours at a time, and I intensely focus on something. That's basically what I do now.
0: Is that but all they, they do two hours at a time?
1: Yeah, you can only, I think it's an hour and a half. You can do an hour and a half of work and you have to take like a two hour break or it's, it's vice wow. versa, one of those things, yeah. Do you ever just watch those aviation, the air traffic videos? Oh yeah, all yeah. the time. Like I have the live ATC up on my phone and yeah. I'll be editing and just put on the LAX air traffic control and kind of listen to them, you know.
0: Yeah, so that, that takes me to like understanding who you are as a person and aligning that to, because photography is a, a medium, right? Yeah. I mean, you can be photographing, anything from landscapes to like i would imagine for you and your your technical side and what you enjoy you probably don't really want to stand around shooting a landscape as opposed to like shooting a beautiful piece of engineering
1: yeah and but it took me a lot of experimenting to figure that out yeah when i first owned a camera of course i went into nature all the time and photographed landscapes Mm -hmm. um and while I think it's beautiful, it just doesn't really interest me that much. Yes. I'd rather take it in.
0: When did speak. you kind of realize
1: that? Um, I think I, 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 I saw landscape photography sort of as a, you know, as a hone your technical skills type of thing. Yes. Get the tripod working, get the aperture. But once I, once I got to that level, I was like, all let right, right, let's, let's go somewhere else. But something else, you know, that I wanted to mention was like, I, ha- I was very fortunate in that I had art education at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is almost like a whole you know, tangent here, but I think having that groundwork laid early opened my eyes to this artistic critical thinking that allows me to see something very technical, whether it's airplanes or engineering or trains or whatever, I don't know what it is, that I could take those subjects and think about it creatively rather than just, oh, it's an airplane that takes me from point A to point B but rather, oh, it's an airplane. How do we get from point A to point B? And how do I photograph that in a way that's interesting and, you know, stimulates me, but also a viewer? Uh, and I was taught, like, I feel very early to think a lot more creatively than in some, some sort of STEM way. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's a very, a very big factor as well.
0: I, for sure. And I think part of that, I I know last time we talked about a little bit about your, your parents and the way that they raised you, that definitely fast tracked you in, in many ways in your thought process, but ultimately you tried enough things to figure out photography you, you enjoyed as a medium, but you found the subject matter that, that fit your own personal values that it had the technical side, it had the engineering side. And I think that's, absolutely critical because I've met so many it doesn't just matter like they're not just wedding photographers but I, I'll give wedding photographers an example so many of them who say like man I can't wait until I just don't have to ever shoot weddings again
1: <laughs> every single wedding photographer I know says you've that you've heard
0: that right yes. and I'm like you've picked the wrong like this this does not line up with who you are but and what you value
1: that's, that's like that's like the de facto professional photographer thing you get a camera you shoot weddings i would say like 90% of people who pick up a camera and want to do it professionally somehow find a way to shoot a wedding
0: well because they 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 think of it from the standpoint of what is the quickest way to make money yeah but the problem is the quickest way to make money is oftentimes not what's sustainable long term right so most of them don't even ever get to that place where they're making good money and if they do then they're it's on their minds of man, I can't, can't wait till I don't ever have to do this again. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, what a crappy thing to feel throughout your career. Like,
1: and I, I feel like I could photograph architecture for the rest of my life. Yeah, Not at a crazy pace, but at, at my leisure. Yeah, You know what I mean? And if it's something that I love and with people that I love doing it. And that's another great thing about architecture. Maybe you don't see so much in weddings, but I have four or five clients who are my great friends. I would happily go get a beer with them after the shoot, even though you've been working for 12 hours and been up since six in the morning. Or I'll see them and I'll say, hey, how's your kids? How's your dog? You know what I mean? Yeah. And we'll go we'll go sailing together or we'll go literally on vacation together with some of my clients. Uh, and that's a thing that I think a lot of other genres in photography don't have is that it's a massive relationships thing in architecture. For sure. And as their career grows, my career grows, they've built their business on my images. They trust me. I know them you know what I mean? Yeah. So you get kind of intertwined and I'm, I'm very much love uh, a deep sort of one-on-one relationship, not to freak you out, you know, but I do this love is, a deep one-on-one relationship. I mean, relationship.
0: that's why we lit the candle, yeah. bro. <laughs> uh,
1: but, you know, and that's, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, that I gotta I say, by the way,
0: for those listening... You, you need to watch the video and watch how Mike speaks with his hands. He's very,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm speaking Italian, <laughs> the, the pounding
0: on the table, the <laughs> half um, of what you're saying is coming through is your coming fingers. Coming
1: through My fingers. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I feel very fortunate in that not only is a subject matter stimulating, but the way I interact with my clients is also, stimu- it's not just like another paycheck for me. Like I like to get to know these people. I, gonna, I, 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 you only need four or five clients in architecture. Of course, I've got my four or five clients and I get, you know, a couple of gigs a year from a few farms and some people hire me once and never again, but it's, you got those four or five clients, you shoot four or five times a year for each of them. Boom. you got a hundred grand. You know what I mean?
0: I'm going to write down relationships and I'm going to place it at number four for right now. Okay. Step four. You, you hit on a really beautiful thing. So going back, let's tie out this values thing. So you find this piece that, and the whole goal of like that step one of finding that thing that aligns with who you are is so that you're not at a place where you're just dreaming of the next thing, right? Like, right. oh, I can't wait until I don't have to do this anymore. It's finding something you can actually, it aligns with who you are so you can actually stick with it long enough to see the success. And one of the things that I usually say is you need to make sure that you love or can handle the entire process versus just the... because. Your artwork, I mean, let's throw that up again, uh, Anthony, and just look at some of those photographs. Uh, Let's look at the air portraits.
1: Go to the uh, Projects tab there.
0: So a person that is in love with the result is very unlikely to actually go and create this because not only are you actually... How long are you standing in one spot for?
1: Eight to 16 hours. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then how long do you spend editing an image like this?
1: Some of them come together in, I mean, minimum, like the fastest one I've ever done, probably 12 hours. 12 hours. The slowest one, it was probably three months of work on and off, you know, a couple hours here, a couple hours there, a day here, take a few days off, couple hours, couple hours, go up after dinner, work on it for an hour.
0: Just a small tangent here, we don't have to spend much time on this, but what do you do when the light changes? And the reflections on the
1: aircraft change. Come back the next day.
0: <laughs> you freaking kidding me.
1: No, I spent two weeks in some of these cities waiting. I took three trips to London, for example, because the weather... Because lim- you have to
0: get each plane lit by the same... The
1: same. Light. Well, well, if you go to the first one... Um,
0: okay, so this is the exact pieces of this process that I'm, I'm talking about. You have to... When you align something with what it is... with. Right
1: your, here. Yeah, this is the first one. Okay. So just sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No, no, no. But... You can see the difference in light. We had Correct. this crazy storm. This is Frankfurt, Germany. The light is changing every five minutes. Wow. Sun, cloud, sun, cloud. So I had to, you know, I captured a bunch of planes in sun, the ones in the center. Yeah. A bunch of planes in cloud. And I would sort of only use, I kind of visualized this. I was like, I want, I want this to have just like a sunbeam coming down right into the middle. Yeah. So I would, you know, I'm photographing every plane 10 times as it goes right to left. And I've got this series. I'd only use the, the the cloudy ones on the edges, and I'd get those ones with the brilliant sun in the middle. And if you zoom way in, you can see some of them are half in the shade and half in the sun, because again, there's so many clouds; they literally fly into shadow halfway through.
0: That's so cool. And yeah, I, just I mean, it of, looks very intentional, like
1: yeah. That's that's is my favorite one of the whole thing.
0: <laughs> so, that that's kind of what I'm saying is that. Somebody can look at this and go, I really love the result and I could be passionate about that. Yeah. But if they can't be passionate about the 80 hours leading up to this, then that's why I, I, I want to throw away the word passion. Because passion denotes result as opposed to process. And you have to make sure that this process aligns with who it is that you are and what, it, what, what are your individual core values. So you've got that dialed in. If you find, if you're listening to this and you find that you're doing something that just grinds against you, I would argue that you haven't found that thing yet. Like if you're talking about never having to do this thing again, you can't wait until this, but probably the best indicator was what you said earlier. If you're willing to do it for free and just continue doing it, that's probably the best indicator of something that aligns with who you are.
1: Yeah. And I I also think I'm very fortunate and perhaps lucky and that this is something that not only would I enjoy doing for free, but also can be monetized to some degree. For sure. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't think, I, I can't stand, I was actually ranting about this on Facebook today. It seems like everything in society has got to be monetized today. You buy a car, people are hoping that their cars are going to appreciate now. Because they That's bought true. like a 1980s Datsun and yeah. they think it's going to appreciate or every guitar they buy has to appreciate. Or yeah. every house that they buy, it must appreciate. Or so skills. i going to buy the most beige, bland house for maximum yeah. resale. It's. I hate this. I yeah. hate this. It's okay to do something just for fun, or buy something just to enjoy, or Absolutely. buy a home just to live in. Absolutely. And we have chased.
0: I might argue with you on the home side. Like, like, well, it depends on how much money you got.
1: <laughs> it, it, and it depends on where you buy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and what kind of home you're buying. But I, it's like it. But money is driving every single decision in so many people's lives. For sure. And it's how can I save $5 a day by not buying Starbucks? God, if you, if you like the Starbucks, buy the Starbucks. But that, that uh, percolates through to everything. And you have people intentionally buying the most bland house, keeping it as bland as possible so they can sell it rather than live somewhere amazing that they've kind of made to their own. And maybe they'll take a little hit on resale, but they live somewhere great. Yeah, And they enrich their lives a little bit in the process.
0: I agree with you. And I, I don't like how it translates into skills. Like people, people oftentimes think too much. I have to monetize the skills as well. You need a side to, hustle. Yeah. Side know? hustle. I got to you know, I'm going to get good at photography so I can make money with it. I'm going to get good at making music so I can produce music. Like there are so many things that are lost when you actually make your hobby, your profession. Yes. and, I don't think people realize it
1: here's something like i i I love what i do um but i still need hobbies for sure you know what i mean i play guitar i suck at guitar i take guitar lessons i have i have no illusions that i will ever professionally produce a piece of music in my life yeah but it's just something that i can escape into yes and turn my brain off and just jam you know uh or whether it's golf or kiteboarding or something else like that playing tennis I don't think that everything needs to be... And, you know, like I said, I feel like I got lucky that this is something that is my career and that can be monetized. Um, But there's a lot of things that I do that also aren't in that vein to keep me sane because this is an 80, like you said, an 80-hour-plus, multiple-trip, two-week process. You know, like, if you want to get on a plane, fly across the ocean, be jet-lagged, get out of bed the next day, sit at an airport sit for 6 hours and then the wind changes and then oh, you got to come back the next day. Oh, the weather sucks. Oh, you now you got to th- pay another $1000 to change a flight cuz the flight you flew there, you canceled the flight to get home. Yeah. It's just it's it's endless aggravation. Um yeah, oh my god. Go I'm back just, like, to the very first the Agita.
0: Can you Anthony, can you find his very first air portrait?
1: I think it's like the 6th or 7th one on the right
0: because you actually shot the first one just out of the desire to create it. I mean, this yeah, that this one there. um go back one. That first image was a a personal project. This was you going out and exercising your creative muscles and and going and creating something for yourself, right? Every other image, though, was then client commissioned. Was it not? That came...
1: No, so a a few of them were commissioned, um, but this one, the original one was just... This was a proof of concept. Okay. I wanted to try something for fun. Yeah. I was here the previous day with a friend of mine, and... I was kind of like, what if I applied and it's still, it's, he'd still text me and he's like, I can't believe this picture. Like he'll see it. And I'd be like, I can't believe that this picture is a thing. I was literally with him the day before and we were just taking pictures. It was me and his son and and my, my buddy. And, um, I was like, what if I did some compositing, like I do an architectural photography and try to capture like every plane over a time period. So I went with a a 50 millimeter 1.8, it's like a hundred dollar lens and a Canon 60, like my backup. And I put it on a flimsy little Manfrotto tripod. Again, it was a proof of concept. I did it for like an hour. I was scrolling on the back with a little wheel. I was like, "This is awesome." I just stayed there almost until sunset. Got sunburned, the kingdom come, and I went home and I just was so inspired. It was one of those 4 a.m. moments. Yeah. I just edited all through the night.
0: Well, it's it's brilliant, but my my I'm bringing this up because I I don't think people understand when you shift something from personal project from exercising your creativity and your creative muscles to this is this is now part of the mike kelly brand this is now part of what you do yeah and so as soon as a client commissions that there are a certain set of expectations and this can no longer be just an exercise of your creative muscles because this is now a deliverable product just like all of your architectural work Mm -hmm. when you go out and you actually photograph and that's the the difference to me between you know, profession versus hobby is, can you be completely free in your creative expression or are you playing within the rules? And if in your profession, this is now part of your creative rules, you have to have that thing away from it. It's either going to be the next personal project, which I know that you just did, or it's going to be guitar or it's going to be something else. But if people don't realize that you have to have hobbies that are not there's no strings attached, then you end up monetizing things and then you're just gonna look for other hobbies because you're like, oh, I gotta have my creative yeah, freedom right. again.
1: It's funny, I did, I did the first puzzle I have done in 20 years, a few months ago. I hate puzzles, oh my goodness. And I was like, you know, this is actually kind of therapeutic.
0: I could see this as a puzzle. Could you not see this exact <laughs> image as a puzzle?
1: But I sat there doing a puzzle and I kept going back to it hour after hour after hour and I was like, you know, it just lets me shut my brain off. Yeah. And it was so good because it seems like everything there's always some goal, there's always some monetization happening, there's always some pressure. But the puzzle it is the epitome of nothing. I could see that. You know? I need
0: to get you into jujitsu. Me and Lee need to get you roll on the mats. Oh my
1: god. Pajama <laughs> wrestling. Pajama wrestling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Were you there when so Side note, we're in Puerto Rico. I'm rolling with Lee in this coastal town. I don't think you were on that one, that trip. And uh, this town has like these red lights that I guess are for the turtles
1: or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we're rolling and you can see us through the living room window. So Patrick like walks up onto the place and he has this video of us, but he's like, it looks like he's in the red light district <laughs> and he goes up on the window and there's two guys in like spandex <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> it looks like a straight up could have been like Amsterdam or something, Amsterdam. Yeah. And, and this is some like freaky, freaky deaky sideshow. So, okay. We have this, Lining up your value to to that thing that you're actually doing so you have longevity. I'm going to put number two as living below your means. Because you've done a really great job with this of saying no to things. But the only way that you can say no or say yes, like you've also said that you you say like yes to whatever. I'll try anything once, you know, I'll do whatever. But the freedom to be able to say yes or no, comes with not having to worry about your bills
1: well you know i i agree i agree and i don't want to say i disagree i agree to a point no say you disagree Um, when i first got started i remember you know there, there was never any helicopter money from parents yeah um uh, my grandparents paid for my college with a 529 fund, which don't get me wrong, I'm eternally grateful for. But there was no uh, financier in my photography career. Yeah, I, No one was ever backing it. No one ever paid my rent while I got my feet under me or anything. There were, there were times where I would have $600 in my bank account and rent was due, which was $800, and clients owed me money and the check for rent had been sent out The check from the client hadn't come in. And I'm like, am I going to make rent this month? Mm -hmm. It was that crazy. Um, And I think, you know, me saying yes to everything was also a product of that. Because I needed to scrounge. I shot some of the most asinine, ridiculous crap you can possibly imagine. From, I did portraits. I did, I would, someone had a company that made light switch covers. I photographed those. Um, I've, I've done elopements. I've done it all. Interesting. I know. Uh, I would just say yes. And this is while I was trying to do the architecture stuff. Um,
0: so you were saying yes to side projects just for the money while you also knew that you had this thing that you were.
1: I just had that, to make ends meet, man. Yeah. I had a job when I, I moved to LA. So I did two years in Tahoe photographing real estate. And then I moved to LA because I wanted to take it, I wanted to, you know get on the next rung of the ladder. And, you know, you're not going to become a world famous architectural photographer staying in Lake Tahoe for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Just the fact. Uh, and, and if someone does, I am happy to eat my shoe. <laughs> Watch me ingest just a shoe on this two years from now. Um, I moved to LA. Uh, look, love LA, hate LA. Let's be real. It's pretty much the creative capital of almost the world. There's a lot of opportunity New York, here. LA, Paris, London, Tokyo, for sure. you know. Um, tons of opportunity here. I didn't know a soul when I moved here. Zero friends, zero connections, nothing. I found a job editing paparazzi photos for $17 an hour for a paparazzi agency. I had to make some money. That's crazy. However.
0: Wait, wait, wait. What does that even look like? Editing photos for a paparazzi agency? What what does that look like? All
1: right, so we had a little office uh, in West Hollywood and we had a fleet, a flotilla, whatever you want to call it, Cadre, cadre have 15 or 20 photographers. I don't know any of those words. Like you literally, you <laughs> literally used throwing, three words in a words row. That <laughs> did. A, we had a, a stable of photographers. Okay, got it. Thank you. <laughs> and um, they would go, they would, you know, 24 hours a day, someone's always shooting. Whether they're at LAX because Dick Van Dyke is getting off a flight or they're up in the hills trying to get, you know, Ashton Kutcher making out with someone. I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. I, don't, I could not tell you anything about celebrity culture. I was a photo editor. They would bring their cards into me, they would hightail it, you know, out of the canyons or from the airport or wherever. Bring me a CF card, I'd import it, I would edit the set. We were an ethical agency, we weren't exaggerating or making people skinny, making people fat. We would. It was a news agency, but paparazzi. I would do crop, color, contrast, etc. Send them out to, you know, um, news agencies all over the world, like The Sun, The Mirror, Us Weekly, People, whatever. And then if we had a really hot set, they would call, and who's in the office at 11 p.m. on a Saturday? This guy, <laughs> negotiating the licensing deals.
0: You would be negotiating the licensing deals. My boss deals. would
1: be texting me, don't let that set go for less than two grand or eight grand or 40 grand or whatever it was. And so when New Zealand calls, because they want so-and-so you know, getting pulled over for a DUI, and we have the only photos of it, I'd be the one saying, it's 40 grand for the set, take it or leave it.
0: Okay. Before we get back to our designing a life with intention, what was the highest dollar value? Who, who, which celebrity went for the
1: most? Michael Jackson. Oh. Yeah.
0: And what was he doing in the photograph? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Stuff that makes us question whether we want to listen to his music.
1: No, no. Um, it was 2009, Michael Jackson, which okay. is when I, his life tragically ended.
0: Oh, it was 2009. Okay. So, Well, I that was we I talking. wasn't
1: even a part of it back then, but those were the, the pictures that sold for the most money. Got it. Okay. okay.
0: I thought it was earlier and stuff because I remember seeing stuff to, with yeah. uh, children, which no, was. No, no.
1: So if, if you had, stuff would sell for years. Interesting. You know, um, on the anniversary of something big happening. There would always be sales.
0: So this is big money to go and take these photos and continually license them out.
1: Yeah. And so I was lucky enough that that taught me from a very early point, licensing your photos, keeping hold of your intellectual property. You know what I mean? Because the money is there. You, you, you just have to be ruthless about it. Yeah. And so many photographers, again, tangent. Oh yeah, a hundred bucks. Yeah. Like they're paying... 20 grand to put it in an ad and you let them have it for $100. Yeah. I mean, nuts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, in the world of portraiture, licensing isn't really even a thing. It's like right. it, it doesn't exist. But in the world of commercial, architectural, editorial, for sure, that that needs to be its own like entire course altogether. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out the order of this because what you're talking about right now, making ends meet this is really going into the grind. Like had, this is the grind of- I
1: had to get a job. Yeah. I f- got lucky. They said, we need someone who knows Photoshop, Lightroom, Aperture. Remember Aperture, the Aperture yeah. program from yeah. back in the day? I, this guy, I know it. I don't know anyone, but- um, So this was in West Hollywood. I got a job a few days a week, editing these photos, sending them out. Meanwhile, I'm literally printing out brochures, walking door to door to architects, designers, real estate agents, carpet manufacturers- chair seller anyone who is even tangentially related to architecture that's what I wanted to do yeah hey can you hire me hey can you hire me hey can you hire me 90% of the time you get laughed out of the place it's LA no one cares no one wants you there 5% of the time someone takes it they'll pass it on and it ends up in the trash yeah 5% of the time you talk to a real person and you know 10 of those encounters led to paying work after hundreds of handouts and nonsense and someone would hear me oh hey where are you from i hear your accent you just said wicked i'm from boston oh my god me too i got a listing coming up you want to shoot it boom i'm in there's one the next one like there was a a carpet i'm not even kidding a carpet manufacturer from like greece or turkey or something had a store on la cienega a few blocks away from where i was working at the time i just chatted with the girl for like three hours. She quits her job two years later, becomes an interior designer. Who does she hire? The kid who walked into her office years ago. It's just crazy stuff like that. That's wild. I was, you know, pounding the pavement, getting out there, put my face in front of people, um, trying to make it, make it happen.
0: So maybe these steps are going to be out of order. Maybe people have to kind of put them into a specific
1: order for them. Maybe they're building blocks rather than steps.
0: Yeah. Building blocks. We'll, we'll, put this category into the grind. And once again, I feel like you have to, the, what you chose architectural photography has to be so in line with who you are and the life that you want to create that you can actually handle the grind because that's miserable. You, you didn't go into this wanting to be a door to door salesperson, but that's literally what you had to do for a period of time.
1: I remember literally shaking the first time I did it. Yeah. And by door 100, I'm like, the coolest cat ever. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I hated it. I hated it so much.
0: I have sold many things door to door.
1: And I had to change my personality so significantly, you know, yeah. to to get in there and put on the face and introduce myself. That's not who I am at all. I'd rather be like alone in the corner.
0: No, I I, I know you. You're the person that wants to be just chilling and working on your own thing and yep. and, and doing that. So that's, it's almost unbelievable knowing you that you were actually at one point going around knocking on doors handing flyers in los angeles in los angeles (laughs) and and that goes back to again having found something that you truly had enjoyed and i would i want to put another piece on that grind thing because you had this other job that was paying the bills so we hadn't yet gotten to the place where you're not living above your means. I think that's critical throughout the entire right. grind period that you're not making stupid financial decisions that keep you locked into that job, right? So you're still living below your means, but you're grinding to pay the bills at one place. I have done this before where I've, whenever I have wanted something different from what I'm actually doing, I make sure that the job that I'm doing to pay the bills doesn't require my full energy and mental effort. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because in accounting, I, I remember trying to be a musician and working for Ernst Young at the same time, and that was impossible. Because at the end of the day, the best part of my mind, the best part of my time, the best part of my energy went into that job. And when I got home, I had nothing left. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do this side hustle. I couldn't grind the way that I would want to. Right. But you were editing photographs. Yeah. So would you say if it's possible and you're in that position where you have to make ends meet. Find a job where you can do that while preserving as much mental energy as possible.
1: Um, yeah, I, I would I would say, you know, I only did it a few days a week. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, like you said, enough to just give me some breathing room. Yeah. To not have a metaphorical gun to my head with bills.
0: Yes. And that also comes in your decisions to right. not keep buying crap.
1: Exactly. Um, and so it, I could... After a certain point, I was like, all right, I don't have to take jobs I don't need to do because there's going to be income from the part-time job. I can focus on getting the important jobs or doing the important personal work that will grow the brand, the business, whatever. Uh, You need to have a sort of a focused effort after a certain point. Once you've you've connected the the, the dots and made sure that you've got a nest egg of three months expenses so you're not going to rot, that's kind of where things start to come together and you Turn things down, you chase the things you want, but you need to have sort of that mental stability in the back of your head from a part-time job or whatever it would, would be. yeah, but Something. it can't it can't be your whole existence because you're not going to want to break out of that little corner
0: for sure. and oftentimes I see people do they'll get a brilliant job in the portion of the grind, and that job might be so great. like maybe they you know landed a waiter waitress position. At a really great restaurant, and they're getting $500 tips, you know, they're getting a lot of money doing this thing. I see them get wrapped up in the lifestyle. Like they start making these purchase decisions that then require them to keep, they could live well below their means and use all that time and energy to just focus on this other thing during that time. But instead, they make these purchases and then they have their golden handcuffs I
1: on. I also think that's a personality thing. I have never been interested in keeping up with the Joneses. Like if a bunch of people are already doing it, I don't want to do it. Well, even if I'm doing something and then a bunch of people start doing it, I don't want to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've always been very independent, um, like to a fault. Uh, and I don't know why I want my own little sandbox with my own toys. I'm not going to buy something cause someone else had it. Um, and I think, you know, again, I got, I got fortunate that my personality is that way. And I never got swept up into making frivolous purchases or buying expensive cars or whatever. Um, because I just never cared. You know what I mean? It's still, it's still funny. Like, I show up to shoots. I work with architects. Mm-hmm. They dress a certain way. They talk a certain way. I, don't, I show up in mismatched whatever. Like, you know, Lululemon and dirty Allbirds, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the running joke at this point. I don't look like anyone that I work for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I just don't... It's just... It's like purely functional. It's just something that I, I don't care about. I don't really want to play the part. I don't want to act the part. I just want to do my thing, do it damn well, and get out of there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to hobnob. I don't... It's Again, this is like a fault of mine almost. It's a good thing and a bad thing. You're never going to find me at an event. You're never going to find me getting swept up with the scene or the little clicks or whatever.
0: I'd argue more of a good thing. I mean, I... I I have a neighbor that, (laughs) I have a neighbor who just, so basically he sees like, you know, Justin and I, we don't live a crazy lifestyle, but Justin's uh, very smart with the way he spends money. So he buys things that he enjoys, but he always buys them like used or finds these incredible deals. Case in point, he has a Porsche that looks brand new. Looks, Looks like he just rolled it off a lot. And if you are not a Porsche enthusiast, you can't tell what year it is. You just know it's a, you know, $150,000 car. car. yeah. And, uh, but nobody knows that he bought this thing several years old for someone that drove it like 7,000 miles across seven years. And it was just garage the whole time. And he bought it for like $45,000. Like it was a one third of the price tag. His neighbor sees it and goes straight out and buys a $200,000 car just to drive it home and be like, yeah, I just, you know. I wanted to get a nicer car, and it was like, now if you enjoy that purchase, if that's like something that you genuinely want, then I'm not going to tell you yeah, not
1: to. You do know, it. you know the old adage about that, right? To keep me up with the Joneses. Everybody with a more expensive car than you is an asshole. It's just a fact.
0: You have a more expensive car.
1: Than <laughs> well, to you, then maybe I am. I thought
0: <laughs> <laughs> that adage just makes sense. I there's nothing wrong with spending money where you you on something that you appreciate. Right. Yeah. But then he goes and he starts copying other things. So like I have a nice bike that I like to cycle with. Um, It's a $15,000 road bike that I got for five. I got for five from a friend selling it used. So like, again, the same kind of approach, but then this person will go out and just buy. So in the course of like two months, he spent like the better part of like $400,000. And I'm sitting here going every one of those things, is an attachment and a thing that prevents you from saying no to the things that you don't yeah. want to do and saying yes to the things that you do.
1: And I, I can say no object that I own feels better than the security of having years of runway yes. in the bank. Yeah, You know what I mean? You can I would lose. not trade that for anything. I live in a 500-square-foot studio apartment. Yeah, Kind of a joke at this point, honestly. <laughs> but if the freedom it gives me is just incredible. I don't feel tied down by rent or a mortgage or anything like that. 1700 bucks a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I feel like if you can keep those recurring expenses low and keep the interest non-existent, you just stack.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And not to mention when you are in Puerto Rico for six weeks, you're not feeling guilt over spending $4,000 right. on, you know, your L.A. place. Right. So... That's a huge piece of that um that that goes in this grind process. It's like some people will be fortunate enough to have maybe some of their parents' assistance where they don't have to go and work. Unfortunately, usually, what comes along with that is uh, a little bit of slack, this this mentality of like you don't need to work as hard. right? So if you can grind like you're hungry, even if you're not, and if you are hungry, get the side job that gives you as much time and mental energy to put towards that thing that lines up with what you value. Now, describe to me, you'd, or you already talked a little bit about it, but your early years, you're hitting the ground, going and doing brochures. What did those first few jobs kind of look like that were rolling in? What do they look like from a money standpoint? What do they look like from a time commitment standpoint? It was
1: all over the place. I okay. would just say, yeah, $400, but you got to drive to Palm Springs and make 20 pictures. All right, I'm there. Now, yeah. now I'm like, oh, are you nuts? Um, you know, maybe it'd be fifteen hundred dollars shooting a hospital for a corporate realtor. Yeah, uh, you know, a commercial real estate broker. Maybe it would be like I photographed the um, ASCAP. Mm-hmm. It's like a big rights management group for musicians and publishers uh, for eight hundred bucks, and it's just like random jobs. I'm just like, yeah, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it all. Yeah,
0: anything um, somewhat relating to architectural or real estate, or
1: I shot. Tear down crack dens in the San Fernando Valley, <laughs> for three hundred bucks a pop. I'm the, I'm the, I'm saying like you want to clean your shoes after you get out of these places. Something like out of Breaking Bad. You know yeah. what I mean? Um. Just and you know the great the beauty of that was I found out what I love to photograph. Yeah. By shooting all of this wide variety of stuff within this genre, so I've kind of funneled it right. I've yeah. taken. I shot a yoga festival one time back in 2009. (laughs) Like I said, I I did elopements in Tahoe, I did real estate in Tahoe, I did portraits, I did snowboard, I did all this stuff. And then it sort of funnels from everything to architecture to a very specific subset of architecture. And over the years, it's kind of refined down into this very thin pipeline, but I'm exactly where I wanna be.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. But I I love how at the beginning you're, you're taking on everything because there's a lot of people that not only everything, but you're really focused on the things that are relating somewhat to to what. So I'm sure you probably did the engagement, the elopement, those kind of things. Realized pretty quickly that that wasn't for you. Like what what was the thought when you're doing those?
1: Uh, I'm just not. I don't want to say I'm not a people person. I'm just not. I've never been interested in weddings. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not something that's going to, again, define my life. For some people, maybe they want to run out and get married and they can't wait. It's just not something I'm really interested in. Uh, I'm not really interested in portraits. I feel like everything, maybe this will be snobby. I feel like everything that will ever be said about wedding photography has been said. uh, And it's so infinitesimally difficult to do something new with it.
0: It's true. I mean, there is a lot of... It has always evolved, but the number of players and the number of creations and everything like that, for sure, it, it's a very competitive. If you wanna do something new,
1: that's I difficult. I never put my stamp on it.
0: Yeah, putting your stamp on it is, is, is difficult.
1: That, that bird has left the cage.
0: But you said something in there that, that I almost thought was one of those keys to, again, knowing if you found something that you value enough, right? You said, I don't wanna say I'm not a people person, but that's a great indicator of if you have found that thing that you are aligned with, you become everything. Right. You became a door-to-door freaking salesperson right. to do architectural photography.
1: And it's not. It's so. It's so like eh, I'm not a people person. Eh. But that's not true. Like I could sit here with you. I, we could go for ten hours. We're gonna have to be cut off. I'm. I'm telling you. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like one to one, I won't shut up.
0: That's what I'm saying. Is is wedding photography doesn't give you the interest to be a people person. Yeah. But this thing that you have does. Like you create relationships with everybody Right, in this space. and I have
1: these long-term relationships with clients that go for years and years and years. Yes. And I love them and they love me and we treat each other great. They come to LA, I treat them, I go to their city, they take me out for dinner. Yeah. You know? So, and I get to work with them in a mutually respectful environment um, where I have ideas and they have ideas and we sort of come together and weave our ideas together to create something really amazing rather than just oh, you know, tuck your elbow in and, and, you know, do this with your hair and face the light and click. But I we're love actually hearing your
0: impression of what a wedding photographer does.
1: Collaborating, <laughs> yeah. Walk, walk a little faster.
0: You, you <laughs> might be slightly behind the times, but, but it's okay.
1: Um, no, but it's, it's really collaborative. Uh, and I'm working with people to solve these puzzles every day, as yeah. you said a few minutes ago. And it, it's, it's very rewarding. And I also love that every single shoot I do is different. No house is ever the same. And no wedding is really necessarily ever the same ever. But this the flow, you might shoot the same venue. I know photographers who are like, I've shot the same freaking venue 10 times. I swear to God I'm done. Yeah. But the flow is the same, you know? You have everyone gets together. You do some formal pictures. You do, you know, the reveal. You do the ceremony. It's like, all right. It's almost like, formulaic formulaic yeah whereas every single photo that no two photos i've ever taken are exactly the same because every house is different the light's always different subjects different colors different clients different people want different things so it's a mentally stimulating puzzle as well
0: yeah i, I again you you pick the right arena um one of those things too that that in this grind process so i think people oftentimes get lost in the, that's not worth my time mentality. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this from, there was one uh, upcoming wedding photographer, and I, I told her, look, we've created a successful business. She kind of became a friend. And I said, look, we've created something uh, successful. I'm happy to help mentor you if you'd like. No charge, no nothing, just a friend. She said to me, well, what I'm really trying to do is something completely different than what you do. And immediately, I was like, "I don't want to mentor you anyway." Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's funny because, like, I feel like if you offered me that, I would take you up on it. Most and you do something completely different. But I'm sure, and maybe, hopefully, think vice versa. You could poke a hole in my business, and vice versa. And I could be like, "Why are you doing this?" Yeah. And you could be like, "Why are you doing that?" You know. And that attitude is immediately, it's just it just sinks the ship right off the bat.
0: Most. I think intelligent people would do that same thing. And that statement actually ended our relationship as well. I I was just like, you're not the person that I thought you were from that one statement. I kind of got a clue. Like our values are completely different, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that was the main issue was I was suggesting that she would take on $500 jobs, thousand dollar jobs. I go, look, you're just developing a name. I understand that one person paid $2,000 for your service. But you're just coming up. So make your price 2000 fine, but take what you can get and start cutting your teeth and start developing a name. Yeah. And she was, I think, offended by that statement. And when I offered to mentor her, she said, "I'm trying to do something completely different to you." She failed. Uh, I didn't want her, like, I, I mean, after she said that line, I was like, you know, now you can fail. I I, I never, I never want (laughs) anyone to fail. so Larry David. Enjoy it. (laughs) Enjoy your fail. I, I don't want anyone to fail, but she, she was left the industry so quickly. I think it was within a year. She just couldn't make money because she was holding herself out for these jobs that were, she, she got one job that paid that much money. Yeah you're new to this. You you had a windfall. Treat it like that. And she was unwilling to grind to, to get the rest. So I, I love the fact that you kind of touch on that because maybe some people are lucky enough to just fall into high paying job after high paying job. But for most people, you spend your career doing exactly what you did, taking everything and funneling it down into those high paying.
1: And it's funny, I don't think that architecture is the only subject that I would love to photograph. Yeah. I think I well, could clearly, ap- apply the same approach and get just as much enjoyment out of, you know, the right type of product photography, for example. Yeah. Like a very artistic, well, beautifully shall we, lit. What's guitar? that? <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Shall we talk about this?
0: Um, Are you they, allowed to show these photos yet?
1: Yeah, yeah. By all means.
0: Okay. Where can we see them?
1: Uh, on my phone. I'll send them to you so you can put them up there. Okay. You
0: They're... Gorgeous images. Um, I remember you. You act that was that in Joshua Tree. Say again. Where was that Joshua Tree or uh, Arizona?
1: Uh, b- 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 uh, Lone Pine. Lone Pine. Uh, the Alabama Hills.
0: So tell me about the shoot. You took these guitars out there. Walk me yeah. through this process.
1: So, um, well, the story. I'll keep it quick. But COVID happens. Every every job I had just pfft, yeah that's gone. Travel. I half of my work is travel related. Gone. Um, I used to play guitar. I actually minored in jazz bass, Mm. had an acoustic guitar kicking around. I hadn't touched it in seven or eight years. I did not know this. Time to get the guitar out because I've always wanted to be really good at it. Yeah. Um, so I pick it up, I start playing, it consumes me and you know, I'm like, all right, I think it would be, it's a great new subject. I'm not doing anything else. I'm just kind of fast forwarding here. Let's see if I can, you know, I start acquiring guitars left and right.
0: The guitars are a great subject, you're thinking.
1: Yeah, I think they, well, and I think it's something that has been photographed to death in the same way for decades. For sure. No one's really done anything high concept with it. So I'm like, oh, great. I can sort of inject myself into this in a new way. Uh, And I can apply, again, concepts that I used in my aviation work, in my architecture work to photograph this new subject. Which people around the world are passionate about, and it's really big business. So I take some cool guitars out to Lone Pine. It's about three, four hours north. My girlfriend comes with me. Amazing, huge helping hand, and we lug this sixty-inch mirror into the desert. Thing weighs a hundred pounds. You know, we we lug C stands and guitars and everything out there, and um, I you know, almost did like landscape photography meets art photography but there's guitars in it as well
0: yeah i mean i hope you're watching this if you're listening to this right now this is one of those episodes that i hope you actually watch because anthony will get these images up onto the screen i i think this is going to be one of the next big things that again redefines and kind of shapes your career those images are incredible
1: yeah here's the first
0: yeah these images are freaking gorgeous
1: you go, yeah, left, I and think.
0: It, you got wait, what is this one? Where they're in a cockpit?
1: I'll explain all of this to you in a second.
0: Yeah, these are these are amazing. The landscape ones, I mean the, the conceptualization to the implementation is is incredible.
1: Thank you. So yeah, they're, um it's it's I'm just taking a subject and putting a little new my own twist on it. Yeah. I'm light painting with drones. Light painting like I do in architectural photography. I know how to fly a drone. I know how to light paint. I know how to composite things together. I know we have beautiful landscapes here in California. Yeah. Let's see what we can come up with.
0: I didn't know you use a drone for those. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Well, uh, for one of them, I used a drone. The other one, I just light painted with a hot light, mm-hmm. like exactly as I would for my architectural photography. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's spec work. I'm going to send it to Fender. I already did, actually. They loved it. <laughs> To like, we want to hire you. <laughs> Did they? Yes, I knew it. I knew it. Uh, and so then that was that was exhibit one, first part of it. Second part of it, um, through my aviation work, I have contacts in the aviation industry galore. One of which is uh, uh, the owner of a company called Air Hollywood, mm-hmm. and they provide all of the aviation film sets for studios who want to film oh. something in an airplane. And so I said, hey, can I come spend an afternoon making some photos here? Yeah. Because I know that their business is pretty slow right now because of COVID. For sure. And he's like, yeah, come on in. You know, I got the friends and family, right? Um, and I had an idea. So Fender has this new product. I, I, like I said, I'm getting back into it. Um, it's called Fender Play. Now, like the, the landscape has changed so much in 10 years since I picked up a guitar. Yeah. There's apps everywhere. There's all new marketing approaches. So, Fender Play is this thing where you can literally learn guitar by an app. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, what if I did some concept ads for Fender Play? Yeah. I love the movie Airplane. You know, the famous line? Have you seen Airplane? Yeah. The famous line, that's impossible. They're on instruments. Yeah. And in the pants of the cockpit and they're all jamming in the cockpit. I'm like, what if we did a modern take on that and put the little Fender Play app in the cockpit? Because pilots all carry iPads around with them now and they're on instruments but it's modern photography with this Fender Play app twist. Literally just airplane 2021. So I did it. I conceptualized it and I did it. And I, you know, found a modern first class seat and I used some coach seats and we put the set together. It cost money, of course, it costs money. Um, had a makeup artist wardrobe, paid some models to come out and cast the whole thing. And it, it was just, it was making advertising photography, a personal project.
0: What do you think the whole thing cost you?
1: Um, four to $5,000. Okay.
0: Because that to me, once again, goes back to the decisions that you have made up until this point yeah. has allowed you during COVID to not stress about making ends meet, to... Even be able to sit back, brainstorm, conceptualize, plan, execute, and pay the five thousand dollars to actually do this shoot on your own. I mean, that was a a series of of good financial decisions putting you in that position to well, be able to do and that.
1: And also, people are probably listening and be like, "Of course, he has contacts at the studio. It's yeah. just a friend of his that he called." I didn't ten years ago. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and they can be. Oh, he's so lucky that he has that. Well. I've learned in my life, I, I have had a big realization recently. Everyone has their own luck. Not everyone necessarily makes their own luck, but I look at people who bought Bitcoin 10 years ago and I'm mm. like, oh my God, he's so lucky. Yeah. And someone's looking at me saying he started architectural, ten, ten, architectural photography 10 years ago. Oh my God, he's so lucky. Yeah. Everyone can point a finger at everyone else's luck. Yeah. You, know, you just have to find what your little edge is. I have um, a secret. I hate that word. What word? Luck. I think it's a huge component of our success. I hate the word. I think you set yourself up. You have to take advantage of lucky situations, but you gotta be there. You gotta be able to say yes, right? When that appears, but I think- um, It's that
0: preparation, right? You have preparation, you have a lot of different things. There is some element of luck, but the reason why I dislike it is because people use it. Luck, talent is another word that I despise because they use it as cop-outs. They they say you're well, so talented. Thing. Oh,
1: he's so lucky. He started 10 years ago. Yeah. I could never do that. Yeah. Well, he bought 100 Bitcoin 10 years ago. He's now a deca-millionaire. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like we're all on different rungs of this perpetually moving ladder That's true. of where we get in.
0: But the other piece of, of this, our, our our final, I want to say the final building block. Actually, I think there might be two final building blocks, but one of them was relationships. Mm-hmm. Because all along this way from the moments that you were knocking on doors and handing out brochures all the way to now you take care of the relationships that you, that you create and you look to create these relationships knowing that these people are going somewhere and that it's going to lead to something in the future.
1: Right. Well, I feel like photography first and foremost is a relationships business. For sure. Not an art business. Any aspect of it. Not a business business, not a numbers business, not a technical business. I know people who I think are horrible photographers who do way better than me.
0: Which field is not a relationship business?
1: I, I have a hard day time trading. thinking.
0: You don't think the people at the day trading firms relied on somebody they knew to get the jobs? or
1: Perhaps. I mean, I, I feel... And, and, you know, I remember when I went to college, I... I, I used to get made fun of so much in high school. I hated my life. I think a lot of people do. But I made a conscious effort. I'm like, I'm changing my whole personality. I'm going to become a different person. I'm not going to be the weird recluse. I'm not going to be like the stinky gamer kid. Because yeah. I used to sit.
0: <laughs> used to be the stinky <laughs> gamer. <laughs> I used to be the stinky gamer. I used to gamer. drink
1: a 12 of Coke a day, no problem, and play Counter-Strike. Dude,
0: fist bump that. <laughs> I had and a major like, Coke addiction.
1: I'm changing. Yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I want a girlfriend. I want to be, you know, I want to be kind of cool, right? Mm -hmm. I made a conscious effort to change that. And so, you know, I think there are so many relationships. Like, there's so much you can do to improve your relationships and improve what you're getting out of the relationships and what you're bringing to them. Um, But, I mean, every cool opportunity I've had has been the result of a relationship. I met someone And I can say, oh, I knocked on all these doors, but knocking on that door had me meet the guy from Boston who hired me, who then, you know, someone else liked my work, they called me on the phone, we got along, it was on and on and on. I met the guy from Air Hollywood, the studio, we hit it off, he became a good friend of mine. Now I get to use his studio whenever I want a personal project and NBC isn't filming SNL there or something, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, Or like, you're, you're a relationship. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, this is why I've written a book. My first book is on relationships because right. they are pervasive throughout every aspect of our lives. It is, in my opinion, the most critical knowledge is understanding relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the thing that's focused on the least.
1: You know, one of the great, great quotes ever, I think, is is uh, not where, but who you're with. Yeah. That really matters. Yeah. And that's a relationships quote. For you sure. You know what I mean? And I could be shooting the... Worst house ever. But if I'm there with a client and my assistant and we're having a good time, Yeah, it's going to go by like this. For sure. You know what I mean?
0: Um, For sure. So you you build a, a network of these relationships that now... That's, that's essentially how you get your business now, right? Yeah. So your marketing is the work that you create, but it's really the time that you've invested into the people.
1: Mm-hmm. And I feel like just being a nice person in general is you know, being able to take a deep breath and, and let, you know, have a bit of a Zen moment when things get stressful. Yeah. That goes a long way to, rather than being a diva and storming off set, just figure out a way to kind of realign. I don't, I don't want to get too new agey on you.
0: No, you can't but, get um, too new agey
1: on You know, bottle it on set. Don't okay. be a diva. Now you
0: step be over Be easy line. to bottle work it. with. What do we bottle, Mike?
1: <laughs> the anger pie. What is this, ascent scent from the beach?
0: <laughs> no, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, the other thing, too, you know, one of the things that reminded me, like at a certain point, I feel like as you get more success, early on you say yes to everything, right? The more success you have, the more you kind of have to begin saying no more mm-hmm. often. And then eventually... No becomes more important than your yeses. Um, the yeses very much have to be aligned with who you are, what you are, where you want to be. And the no's are going to be probably 90% of everything. And it's critical that you say no and you preserve your energy for the yeses. Yeah. But when you came in here, you said no to this very quickly. And I think that is a great marker of how you say no to something. What were you because I'm going to say visualization, but what were you visualizing when you stepped into this building?
1: Like, what was I seeing when I came in here?
0: Yeah, you saw something nice, but in your mind, you started walking through...
1: Oh, well, it's it's crazy impressive. You come in here, it's like NBC. You've got <laughs> lights everywhere, You got tripods, computers, it's huge, cyclorama, TV screens everywhere. I feel like I'm walking on the set of The Tonight Show. You just, know? A,
0: just a lowly show.
1: Um... And then, you know, and it's impressive and inspiring. And oh my God, I would love to be in control of that. And then you're showing me around and you're like, we have 700 meetings a year. And I'm like, I have seven meetings a year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, to get me out of my apartment to go meet you, COVID, forget COVID for a minute. The amount of times I'll actually drive across town to meet someone, to pitch them on my services, it it better be, I better be shooting the freaking Taj Mahal. Yeah. Because that's just not going to happen. Yeah, and you know what I mean, and, and I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want to have to get out and get dressed to go meet people. Yeah, <laughs> I have to pitch myself. I want my website to do the talking. I want, you know what I mean. So I'm like, oh man, but I have this great, amazing, low overhead, low stress lifestyle. I wonder, and this is just going on in my head while we're walking around. I think that this would interfere with that. And you say, and you, I have 40 employees, and I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing. But then I'm like, 40 employees. I don't want. What do I have to fire someone? That's my yeah. worst nightmare. You know, I don't want to deal with that. Um, or what if I, what if the business fails and I can't, these are people who are depending on me to make their ends meet. I don't want to have that responsibility. I want to be responsible for myself. That's,
0: that's the critical piece though, is I, I, I would refer to that process. I mean, everybody would refer to that process, but that, that is visualization and you are visualizing you're, you're not getting caught up on the thing, but you're instead thinking about the different pieces of what that thing entails and then you're going back to does this align with you know my values and where i want to be and and i think it's critical in that process of visualization especially going back to maybe this wraps us back into number 1 you know like the the value is thinking of whatever thing you want to be doing imagining 5 years down the road what that's going to be like the lifestyle you want to create and then working backwards Instead of walking into a place, because I I, I do see a lot of people that walk into a place where they see something, they make the decision because they want to have that thing, and then what comes along with it they didn't think about or set the right expectations... And then they've chosen something and that and doesn't. By the fit.
1: time we sat down, I had made the decision. Remember I was asking you what the dimensions of the studio yeah, are? Yeah. I want the studio, but I don't want the people that come yeah. with it. <laughs> Just the space. <laughs> and I'm like, is it forty by fifty? It looks about forty by fifty. And you're like, you got it, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you nailed it in one go. Which is quite impressive actually. But that that to me is is critical. So you said yes to the fender idea to going out and and being in the desert which that's a lot of work yeah. and, and and all the different pieces that came with that because i would imagine you're also thinking hey if fender did hire me and this led to more work that would fall in lines with who i am and what i want to do
1: and even if it's not fender that hires me it, it could be maybelline for god's sake i have no idea <laughs> but they see that i had the you know idea to put this product in a new environment and they can say hey we saw what you did with those guitars yeah we've been shooting our products the same way for 20 years. Yeah. Can you, who we realize you don't work in this industry, but can you think of something new yeah. that we haven't seen before, rather than us going to photographers who are going to default to the studio splash scene or whatever, yeah. or the you know, product on white. How about we do something new? Yeah. And I think that's you know, a, a huge part of my career is how can I put a new spin on this that someone hasn't done before, whether it's the aviation stuff or the architecture stuff or the guitar stuff or whatever it is. Um, is thinking about something new that some people haven't done. That's like wedding photography. I feel like it's all been done and maybe someone will shock us. <laughs> I don't know. I really, I don't, I just don't know. Like I don't know enough about the industry, yeah. but what I see is a lot of follow the leader. in that for industry. for sure, for sure. Um,
0: I, I think there are people that innovate, but yes, I, I, I agree that it's in, in other spaces, the spaces that you are at, the spaces where there's fewer people, it's, it's easier to step outside the box and yeah. to, to create um there's
1: also less expectations like i think wedding couples have an expectation that their pictures will look like x i think that's the big thing and that's what they want and they don't want to risk their wedding day on some crazy but then i ask why don't you take some couple and pay them a thousand bucks for the weekend and have them do whatever ridiculous crap you want them to and create your own portfolio of fresh new images and there I mean? are people
0: that do that yeah. like but then what quickly happens is because again there's so many wedding photographers <laughs> everyone else those <laughs> ideas become tropes very quickly like yeah. but you then know you the, got to
1: be like me and and I, i've had people say how do you do this airplane stuff mm-hmm. i took three months plus tens of thousands of dollars and then endless time in post-production yeah and i've seen people try to do it and they fail because they realize as soon as they start like, oh, I really have to sit here for eight hours. Yeah. And then, oh, I really have to pen tool every single plane. And then that's 24 hours of pen tool and your eyes start to bleed. And then you have to put them in all in the right spot. And then you've got to tie it all together because the light changes throughout the day. So every plane has a new curved adjustment layer on it. Then you've got to do the sky, the color grading. And then you come back a week later and it looks weird, but you can't put your finger on it. So you come back a month later and you figure it out. Oh, everything's in the wrong place. I got to redo this and start from scratch. And then three months later, we've got a final product that looks good. So people don't have the, this not, is again, not all, but some people, many people don't have the, they just want it done. Like the, you said, the process. they want the product.
0: The, they look at the result versus, yeah. and that's the key piece to me. The key piece of, of knowing whether, the, whether that thing aligns with who you are. Uh, whatever it is that you might be taking on in any business is the process of visualization. It's actually visualizing, not the result, but the actual process of getting there and saying, does this take me where I want to go? And it's, it's what you did right when you, I watched you do it. You came into this building, you for a moment said, Oh, that's cool. And then you started asking me questions and you were visualizing (laughs) what I was telling (laughs) you. Not so
1: cool after all pie. Yes. (laughs) And then you were like, okay,
0: that doesn't align with who I am. Yeah. And I can say no to certain things knowing that those don't align. So I think we have a great playbook. I might even, I might even save this episode for future research on a, on a stupid, simple book concept. But, dude, I can't wait to see what happens from this new series. Because we're catching it right at the point where you just barely did it. Yep. And this could be a whole new separate kind of break off for your career and it's it's
1: things that i would love to do yeah i would love to get paid to drive out into the desert and camp there and take photographs of whatever candles or some crazy random object in news you know what i mean yeah be fun yeah what 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 better than a life that is fun you know
0: well thanks for making the drive down to the studio we are going to go get dinner now so let's do it we said 90 minutes it's been 90 minutes perfect you guys can check out mike's work uh his work's absolutely amazing mike kelly Um, What is your Instagram handle?
1: Uh, It's at M P Kelly M P K E L L E Y underscore.
0: Awesome. And we're going to link everything up. Mike's book is absolutely incredible. It's on my bookshelf. Uh, You also have amazing education that's available through F stoppers. So all of your architectural photography and everything that you do, you teach, Um, We're going to link up all of it. So I would recommend if you're listening, hop onto YouTube or anywhere where there's show notes because we will have all those links to Mike's work. And we will wait and see what happens uh, with the latest conceptual product shoot. Maybe have you on for a part three in a little (laughs) bit and give us an update.
1: Thank you, Pi. I appreciate you having me on.
0: All right, brother. Let's go get dinner. Great. Let me quickly mention our other platforms and resources. If you're a photographer, I'd encourage you to check out SLR Lounge and Visual Flow Presets. SLR Lounge is where you'll find my A to Z education teaching you how to master your camera, how to think creatively, how to light, to pose, direct, and even build a photography business of your dreams. Tens of thousands of aspiring photographers have used our education to level up their skill sets and their sentiments are always the same. They say, I wish I found this sooner. Visual Flow is where you're going to find the best image processing tools for Lightroom users. Lighting condition-based presets and retouching tools that will dramatically enhance your workflow. In short, presets that don't suck.